This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. And this is Megan McCulloch, Research Analyst at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're here with Dan French, CEO of Consider Solutions, to talk about process improvement in the finance function. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Good to be here. So at APQC, we recently surveyed over 300 finance professionals to learn about the focus areas, initiatives, and challenges they expect for this year. We found that the number one focus for 2022 is process improvement. Dan French has helped a lot of companies with optimizing their finance processes, so we knew we had to get him back on the podcast to get his thoughts on the findings and share some actionable guidance for our listeners. So Dan, why do you think process improvement is the number one focus area for the finance function this year? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's, um, there's a few reasons for it. I think uh, one level, there's a massive resonance around this idea of transformation and digital transformation, which is, which is a big discussion um, in the CFO and office of the CFO and therefore the whole finance process. So there's a lot of focus on it. Um, obviously, people want to get better at what we do, but trend, you know, changing processes, improving processes isn't just about increasing incrementally. But I think the other dimension is we've had two years now since the beginning of the, you know, the COVID experience. Um, and in the beginning, in March 2020, for about three months, those first three months of when yeah, we had this real realization that things were changing dramatically. We managed, I mean, businesses in general managed to make enormous strides in changing processes, make them remote, contactless, distributed, people working from home, being able to do stuff people had never been able to do before. And we did it like, like turning on a dime. And it was amazing. And I think that was a great success, but it's also given us a bit of a legacy that maybe executives think, well, let's get some more of that please. <laughs> mm. So I think there's a little bit of um, residual expectation as well. Thank you. Uh, can you also walk us through the high level steps that you might take to diagnose process problems in the finance functions and organizations? Yeah, I think, I think one of the, the big questions, when we talk about process improvement, it's, it's an interesting kind of term, but it means lots of different things. So you can talk about incremental improvements about how we collect cash from customers or you know process invoices but there's a much greater interest now in the end-to-end -end cycles like what happens from winning a customer through or, or engaging with a customer through to winning a customer and getting paid and making that customer successful with whatever the products or services are now that end-to-end -end view is where the real big shift improvements can be and they are but it's very challenging to get an organization to collaborate across that whole discussion because people come from very different perspectives. So if you look at the revenue cycle, for example, the people who are focused on the customer might be your marketing and sales organization. You've got a product group, whoever creates the products, they've got an interest in them. And then you've got the you know, credit and accounts receivable piece in finance. Um, but they've all got a very different view of it. So the first thing in my experience you've got to do is we have to break out of our silos and say for each part of finance, whether it's finance associated with, you know, planning and budgeting, whether it's finance associated with 
um, the revenue cycle, everything from acquiring customers through to getting cash, anything, whether it's about the expenditure cycle, everything from sourcing the demand through to paying for it, anything through general accounting, what people call report to report, anything to do with capital and um, you know, fixed assets, anything to do with treasury. These are kind of big, big cycles. So the first thing is to look at the look at which of the cycles do you care about, and then look end to end. And the um, my recommendation is to draw a map, build a map of what happens today before you worry about making it better. Draw a map of what happens today from the very beginning of that cycle to the very end of the cycle, and then ask why. Ask why a lot. But there's a a general principle called five whys. So if you ask why about any situation, so why does that happen? And somebody tells you, and then you go, okay, but why is that? Because always there's an inference at each point. And if you, it's generally true, sometimes you don't need to go five times, but it's generally true when you get to the fifth why, you get to the root cause of why things really happen and whether they're really necessary or whether they're just a relic of some historical mechanism that people used to do <laughs> or expectation that people have, but nobody knows why. So draw a map of the end-to-end -end process. So first of all, get out of the silo, go end-to-end -end across the organization and finance is at the nexus of all that. Draw a map of what happens today, ask why, and then start making some, having some conversations up and down the cycle about, okay, so we've got some things here that are really value-adding, some things that aren't, and we don't know why we don't do the value-added things. And so we get to the root of that and then we say, right, what could it look like? And then we start to say, but this is what it could look like. And the important thing to do is do that before you start worrying about technology. No, absolutely. And I, I want to, I'm glad that you brought up end to end because that's where I wanted to move um, this conversation next because yeah, at APQC, we see the same thing. It's a, it's a really good idea. It's a really valuable model. It's really hard. So you talked about the five whys. Um, do you have any other enablers or kind of tactical steps that you can recommend for finance teams that that want to do this yeah i think um what a, so as a process you know mapping the end-to-end -end cycle every process doesn't have one valid route through it there are several always several valid journeys through it so you've got to map all those out so make sure you're clear on the process and the journey through it you want to use your five whys you want to collaborate across people who've got an in-depth experience up and down the process. So don't focus just on finance people, focus on all people throughout. And uh, the other piece I'd say is get data. Get data about what actually happens mm. and make sure it's untarnished by people's opinions. So factual data of what happens rather than somebody's Excel of their massaged view of what it would look like if it was a bit better than it is today. <laughs> <laughs> So what the raw data of what happens today is very powerful. I'd like to switch to talking about some RPA. So we were a little surprised to see that more than a third of our respondents said they're not even considering the implementation of RPA, robotic process automation. So what are your thoughts on RPA and, and the finance function? Should we be focusing there? Or is that something that we need to move past and go into other process automations? Um, I think it's an interesting survey result. I mean, since the term robotic process automation was first coined a few years ago, I've always had a bit of a problem with it because it's not really anything to do with process automation. It's to do with task automation. And if you think of a process as being this big end-to-end -end thing, tasks are little bits about how you get data from A to B. And RPA has always been about connecting 
disparate applications or eliminating one piece of manual work. And um, despite the, you know, the big, you know, the wonderful stories you read, in general, the impact hasn't been significant. I mean, people talk about getting an ROI of 800%. Well, it, it doesn't matter if the number you're talking about is very small, it's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Yep. But when these end-to-end -end cycles, you want to work out how do we make massive changes to that? And RPA just isn't the technology for it. It's not to say it's a bad thing. It's a it's good thing to have in a toolbox. But as they used to say, if um, if the only thing you've got is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I think RPA suffers from that problem as well. Yeah, people say let's apply RPA to it. They say, well, we don't even know what the problem is yet. <laughs> uh, so I think. I'm not surprised. I think people are a little bit disillusioned because the hype was too big. You see, that's a part mm -hmm. of the problem. It was overhyped. But the, to, if that wasn't bad enough, the, um, the new term on the street that is replacing robotic process automation is hyper automation, which is even, even more hype by uh, <laughs> definition, uh, which is bizarre. But though I, that's why I think uh, I'm not surprised at the survey results. Hmm. And people have got RPA centers of excellence. It's great but it's only one tool in the toolbox. So RPA, I don't want to say is an archaic tool because it's not, but it is an older tool of, of, of finance professionals in order to, like we said, automate tasks, not processes. So what should the automation tools, should our members be looking for in, in trying to help improve their end-to-end -end processes? If you're looking at automation, the thing you've got to look at I mean, you've got to look at two things before you even start automating. One, you've got to look at the process. We've talked about that. The second thing you've got to look at is data because automation is only as good as the data you have. And I was interested in your survey. There's a piece about finance data management. And the make, and I was interested also that data management ranked less important than process improvement, but you can't really do process improvement without looking at data as well. So yep. you would expect them to be about the same. But it is true that in general, people get so excited about automation, they forget about the data piece, and sometimes they forget about the process piece as well, which is very dangerous. If you want to automate, you've got to get the data right, with no doubt at all. In terms of tools, I'd come back to the point that you can make massive improvements in your process effectiveness and efficiency, and I mean orders of magnitude, without changing your existing technology. So I think everyone should make sure they focus on process, improve that, and there was a great quote, I can't remember who it's by, that said, the purpose of automation is to amplify the effectiveness of a process. But automation also amplifies the ineffectiveness of a process. So if your process is not effective, automation is just going to make it worse faster. And I think that's a really important thing. And we keep getting tripped up on it. So, so first, we'll get the process right, get the data right, make sure your data quality is right. Um, you know, you know where the data is coming from, how is data being created, and then worry about automation. So the biggest single thing for most large companies, the biggest single inhibitor in the finance process is, uh, is that a lot of large companies have multiple finance systems. So whether it's big ERP systems like SAP or Oracle or smaller ones, they have multiples. And what you want to do is get to some form of uniform process within the system. So once you define the process, you know, a single instance of ERP is a powerful step, massively powerful step, because all, that's a load of effort that gets eliminated by that. So then once you've got that, you've got, you know, you've got the ability to have 
augmented applications that ERP you know, or process support that ERP doesn't provide, um, whether it's credit management for the order to cash or whether it's um, really good sourcing and um, you know, intuitive catalog buying for source to pay, um, or indeed really good process analytics. All of those things you know, fit around it. So I think you do need ERP, if, you know, make sure that you've got a good strategy for that to start with and you're simplifying that as much as possible. And then where you find, when you look at your journey, your processes and journeys, where they were and the way you want them to be, once you've done that, work out where do you do selective incremental applications, as I say, there's, there's all around these processes, there's little areas where there's discrete applications that integrate with the ERPs that work really well. And then, then get into smaller pieces, then things like RPA might do well. There's a lot of conversation about artificial intelligence. I don't think people should look to artificial intelligence as a technology, as a solution. It's, it's an underlying capability and you don't know when you're using artificial intelligence you know sometimes when you use google you're seeing ai when you use your phone you're seeing ai but you don't know it is it either delivers a good result or it doesn't so what what i would encourage people to do is not worry about the, the fundamental technologies like ai or quantum computing or whatever focus on what solutions what problems you're trying to solve and how to do that and if it's ai that does it great but you know there's some very powerful non-AI technologies which deliver just as good result for business. So, so I think it's, a, it's more about the sequence we approach things in, go from the big, you know, the macro to the micro. And most technologies, you know, ERPs at the macro level, and beyond that, they get smaller and smaller. They're still valuable, but you want to approach it in that way, in my opinion. Very excellent recommendations and advice, Dan. I appreciate that. Yes. Don't chase shiny objects. Exactly. Process and data first. Um, we keep trying to tell people this stuff and, and they get distracted by the shiny objects. But um... yeah, so there's a <laughs> psychology about that. I'm not quite sure why it is. But I think it's part of the reason, I think, is because the reality of any kind of process improvement, whether it's technology driven or process driven, there's a lot of hard work to be done. And none of us particularly like the idea of hard work. We'd like somebody to come up with the answer. And I think that kind of is quite deeply programmed in our heads. And I think quite often it's easier to you know, run some workshops and decide where to spend $15 million than to say, we're going to have to spend the next six months doing some you know, hard work looking at the detail. And we might make a free X improvement out of that, which is far better and far quicker than we'll make you know, within two years with the technology, but it's it's hard graft. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of, people are thinking, well, surely the technology vendors can sort that out. But a lot of things have to do with behavior. It's not the technology alone doesn't solve the problem. It's how people interact with it. And you've got lots of change management issues. You know, I'm a big believer in technology, but I think we just got to get the sequence right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Dan. Not at all. Thank you very much. Well, once again, I'm Mercy Harper. And I'm Megan McCulloch. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more about our research, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. Mm -hmm.